0: someone could go for me yes so i want to thank you again and welcome you to the scribal conservatory arts and worship center we're moving through we don't have to um, go through a lot of this today because i have a lot to cover but this is what the scribal conservatory is all about so at any time you can go back and listen to the replay and get this so I do wanna let you know that we have a couple of changes to our schedule. So the first one is just um, that, Bi- you know we still have Bible study every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. We're still having our virtual services and we're still having Scribal Arts every Sunday, except this one. <laughs> Next, I just wanna give you a little note that we have a save the date. And that is Sunday, February 27th. For those here in Atlanta, we're going to be meeting in person. It's going to be a fellowship. It's not a teaching. It's not a school. We just need to connect and get together. So we're launching back out in that. So look for details. Go ahead and make plans to join us if you are in the Atlanta area. And if you will be in the Atlanta area that weekend, you're more than welcome. But those details we will send out via a private text because of where we'll be meeting. So we can't put that publicly on the page in the um, conservatory Bible study group. So reminder notices and schedule will always be posted in the Bible study group online. So just make sure you're aware of that. Last but not least, I need to let you know this, tonight at eight, we're going to continue the prophetic scribal company teachings we will be continuing those. And um, the class is full, the session is full, but sometimes all the people don't show up, but we do have a link to the new session that starts for March, April, and May. And in those sessions, I just want you to know we will have special guests every time we meet and they will be speaking for no more than maybe 15 minutes sharing with you what they do, basically, and who they are. And then you will be able to generate questions within your scribal realm from there. I'm very excited. I think I told you that, over for the rest of the year, we'll have special guests. They're not necessarily a part of the school of the scribe, but they are in the scribal realm doing some amazing things. Some of them have, um, writing international writing groups others may be a part of the entertainment industry so you're going to meet some people that i know and you can ask questions of them and according to the guidelines that we're going to set out for you in these meetings so if you have questions come this is rare I don't know how long we're going to be doing it but for now it's an excellent place to be we do not record these sessions although I will record those who are speaking we won't record the overall um, scribal company meeting and it's optional I don't beg or ask anybody to come if you come that's wonderful And if our team is there available, they're always open to sharing, introducing themselves to you, giving you a little bit about what they do. They'll do that at every session we have. But the feedback from this has been tremendous. So for now, we're going to continue it. This might be the only year we do that. I don't know. But I want to encourage you to be a part. So we're sticking with our story about the prayer life of Jesus. We didn't get to complete part four because of technical issues last week, but I believe God did exactly what he needed to do. I'm glad I didn't interrupt and try to get back in that flow because listen, God refined that teaching and he has brought us into the place that we are today. The first thing I want to do is remind us of our foundation scripture. It's Psalm 11, verse 1 through 3. And it says, if the foundations of a godly society are destroyed, what can the righteous do? So Christ is our pattern. And we know that because he has given us the foundation for prayer the foundation for our salvation, the foundation for righteousness, the foundation for achieving whatever we need to be able to achieve in the kingdom as sons, as sons of God. And I know that um, we, you know, we are all still growing. We're all still learning. Prayerfully, we are all still teachable, and we know that and that we can be at peace with ourselves where we are right now in this moment. And that is so very important. I want you to know that even though we're teaching and you may say, Oh my God, I've been doing it wrong. I don't want you to think about it as you doing anything wrong. I just want you to think of it as, Hey, I'm on a journey and this journey is taking me here This journey is taking me there. This journey is leading me here. And I'm learning as I take this journey. Because if we look at it as right and wrong, I missed it or I have it, we'll be in a a psychological, emotional, spiritual place of chaos. So that's not the approach here. The other thing I want to make sure is that we understand that this is not a tear down the church message. It's a message of alignment that I believe God is going to give and awaken to many people in the days and months and years to come. And while we're doing it now, while some of you will never hear teaching like this at this moment in the environments that you come across, I believe that we will come into a day when we see people teaching along these lines and really getting back to the mind of Christ, the mind of Christ. So again. Christ is our pattern, the key is learning who we are in Christ, and knowing the promises and guarantees of God, and recognizing that the greatest intercessor is Jesus, and we must first agree with him before agreeing with one another. So part of the premise this morning is understanding that agreement is is not just where two or more are gathered. Agreement first begins with us agreeing with God. So that is the that is the main thing. Can you agree with Christ? Can you agree with God in that sense of the word, what he did in the earth with Christ? Can you agree with the word? That is it, the word made flesh. So if we can understand that, a whole lot will begin to shift. So the question this morning is, and it has been every time we've done this particular teaching, is can we agree with Christ? Can we agree with Christ? Can't say that enough. I hope I've repeated it enough that it's in your hearing as we move forward. So we're gonna take a look at the greatest prayer of Jesus. I'm not going to switch I'm just gonna read from the scriptures that I have. If you know me, you already know I have this passage of scripture pulled up. So I'm going to take a look at that and we're going to um, just listen. We've taught on this a lot in the conservatory. We've been through it quite a bit. I could switch, but I don't wanna do that. I'm not confident enough in uh, my connection to be able to do that. But if you see a cracked up page or something, that's primarily because I have my scripture open here on the page. And sometimes it makes the screen um, look a little bit distorted. So I just ask that you bear with me in the midst of that. So um, if you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're in um, John, the Gospel of John, and we're looking at chapter 17. And it says this we're at, I'm going to go to, let's see, Um, what verse do I want to start with? Okay, so I want to go down to, we're not going to read all of this because it's a lot. Matthew 17, we know that this is the last comprehensive prayer that Jesus prayed before he was about to be um, crucified. So we know this, we already know that he is pouring his heart out giving final instructions to the apostles. But if you go down to verse 13, um, this, is, this is Jesus, he's praying. He, he's giving final insight, final instructions that he's sharing with the father concerning those that he's leading. But when you get to verse 13, he says this, and I want you to follow along with me, John 17, 13. He says, I am coming to you now. And he's talking to the father But I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And this is the part. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not. Sanctify them by truth of your word. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may truly be sanctified. Now, why is this important? It's important today for us to look at this, not to expound on what Jesus was saying, but to look at how Jesus prayed. I want us to consider this is the last prayer he's praying, but he's not calling down angels. He's not laying everything out. He doesn't have a list of things to go through. He literally asked the Lord to protect them from the evil one. And then he asked the Lord to sanctify them by truth. Oh my goodness. He said, protect them from the evil one and sanctify them by truth because your word is truth. Oh, wow. This is a very important passage of scripture to me. I wanna go back up just a little bit. We're gonna go back up to verse nine because I want you to see something else. And he says in verse nine, he said, I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. In this part of the prayer, he clarifies that he's praying specifically for those that have been charged with him in the moment and time that he is living. I want to point that out. This is not all that's in that prayer, because later he goes and he prays about the whole world. But I think it's important that we see that he understood. Look, all I can do is what I can do for these twelve that are these eleven that are with me, or you know these that are with me. All I can do is, is stand for them because they're the ones you gave me. Then he says, my prayer for them is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them while they're in the world. That's a powerful statement on many levels. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it, but sanctify them. So Jesus' heart cry in the midst of his prayer has been as he exits his assignment in the earth realm is to sanctify them by truth because your word is truth. Now, here we go again. We're gonna look at verse 20 this time. Verse 20, it says, my prayer is not for them alone. So he finishes praying specifically for their sanctification, for their safety, for them being rooted in the word. But he said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So that prayer is still continuing. It is a perpetual prayer because the prayer of of Jesus that went forth for his apostles um, went down through the people that he had and kept going and kept going and kept going. And Jesus is still praying for us today in that same vein. So that's the point I'm trying to make here. I want you to see how the prayers he prayed were so strategic and so specific so simple and so clear, yet extremely loaded, extremely loaded. It's going to make sense to you as you move through this. And then he said, and hold on to this, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one not only is he praying for all of us now, all in eternity, all that will come after us, before us, he's prayed for all of them. He's prayed for their oneness, their unity, their koinonia, the kind of koinonia that he has with the father. So Jesus's prayer life is centered in this critical moment in biblical scriptural history, is centered on koinonia, unity, oneness, one mind, fullness. And then he gives them the glory. Oh my goodness, I have given them the glory that you gave me. I want you to see that it wasn't just the apostles he gave glory to in this sense of the word or the the release of, of the spirit, the hope the ability to be able to um, pray, the impartation that was needed because a tremendous impartation took place right here. And I want you to write down that word, impartation in your notes, because this is a big part of what we're going to talk about. He, again, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. The greatest prayer that Jesus prayed in this moment was that they would be brought into complete unity, not just unity, unity, complete unity, complete unity, complete unity, not just in the same building hanging out, not wearing the same clothes, not uniformity, but unity of mind and spirit. And then he said, the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous father, though the world does not know you, which is what we call Babylon, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I want you to see that the plan of Christ's prayer was that there would be a transference of this desire that he is releasing here on the inside of us. There needed to be an impartation of this desire in prayer to be on the inside of us. The greatest prayer we can pray for this system or this world is not that God destroy them, but that God makes Christ known in them. So before I move forward, I just wanna be sure that this little part is understood because this prayer is so very significant. Oh my God, it's very significant to us understanding Christ Christ's position on what it means to pray. I know for me, and I'm gonna ask you now, in the world system, I was always taught, well, in the church system, the machine. Prayer was always getting away from the devil. It was always running to safety. It was always blocking my enemies. It was always that kind of thing. It was always getting me out of trouble, helping me with my brokenness. It was always praying, Lord Lord of the harvest. It was all of these religious type things that, that clouded the core of our prayer mandate. It was like this, this, all of these other things were covering this important message right here. Listen, binding and loosen, absolutely, absolutely. This is why I want you to govern your language, because we're in a time where if we don't govern our language, we're going to draw people backwards. You're going to keep pulling them into old systems. This is the time of reclaiming language in the kingdom. And I want you to keep that in mind. I wrote a prophecy about that, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, just a prophetic word the Lord gave me about um, changing language, changing culture, not new words, not like pastorpreneur and prophetpreneur. We're not talking about that flesh stuff. We're talking about using the language that Christ used, you know, using the language that we see in the scripture. There is a major, major move in reclaiming of language. And we're going to see that we're going to see God move out some of this stuff that has us so confused and give us words that may be smaller words. They may not be catchphrases, but they'll be simple enough that people might understand. Oh my goodness. So I want you to see that Jesus is saying verse 13, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. And then he goes and he says in verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I am them and you and me so that they may be brought to a place of complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. So this part right here, after all is said and done, after we run up and down the aisles, after we've put on the camouflage, after we've fallen out in the spirit under the power of prayer, after we've rabbi for 20 days, after we've fasted, after we've done all of that, we can go back and say, what is most important? To Christ. What is most important to Christ in his prayer life? I challenge you when you go and study the prayer life of Jesus, all roads lead here. All roads. How awesome it would be if we believed. Father, I pray that those who are in the conservatory. That you, you do not take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, God, even though I am not. What if I believe that? Sanctify them, Father, by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent all of us into the world, because you were sent into the world, Father, teach us how to sanctify ourselves that we may truly be sanctified. What if we prayed like that and believe that all of eternity was within those words? My prayer life through the church makes me feel as if I have a whole lot of work to do. Even though Christ said, Oh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Look at how light his prayer
1: burden is, but it's heavy. It's heavy. It's light, but it's heavy.
0: Now, why is this important? It's important because when you begin to study the prayer life of the apostles, When you begin to study the prayer life of Jesus, you're going to realize that a lot of these prayers took place when people were literally ready to slit their throats, getting ready to kill them, drag them from their homes, beat them to death. But there they were with simple prayers.
1: Oh my God, how could they pray so lightly? In such serious situations.
0: Why weren't they? Ay, 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 why weren't they doing all of that? They were praying all the time in their spirit being. They were in that place of intercession constantly. How could they do it? Because they believed the word. They believed Jesus because they were living by faith. They were forcing themselves to trust that it is written. Jesus could have called down the angels, remember? Right after he was filled with the spirit, he was taken up by, uh, taken up by the spirit and placed before his greatest adversary, <laughs> which really wasn't his greatest adversary, but technically
1: was. He could have said a lot of things Get back, devil. I'm going to beat you in the head, devil.
0: But he didn't. He literally said, it is written,
1: man should not live by bread alone, but I every word that, oh my God. They were praying life. They were, I
0: look at Jesus' prayer and he's declaring, man shall not live. Not I shall not live. Man, he was interceding for us even then. Oh my God. Go back and read the prayer. Jesus' first temptation was for us. It wasn't just him saving himself from the devil. It was Jesus patterning his life. I'm not just praying for myself. See, there's a the corporate realm of prayer is what keeps us in the mind of Christ. We pray for one another individually, but our corporate prayer life strengthens our faith to believe God for what he's going to do for us. Oh gosh. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that this is making sense to you that I'm not going too fast because I know that I get really excited. But I love when I get prayer requests that say, agree with me. Agree with me because I know God is going to do this. Agree with me because I know the Lord is able because that's the language of of the kingdom. The The language of the kingdom is absolute. It's absolute. We can't lose. We cannot lose. If, even if we lose our lives, it's to live in Christ. We're rewarded. Oh, man. But see, it takes fa- faith to understand that. It takes faith
1: to get to that place. Oh. The greatest intercessor did not
0: pray like us. He prayed from eternity. He prayed from intention. He prayed from expectation. He prayed from the mind of God. He prayed from image and likeness. He prayed from the finished place. He prayed as if these things in this
1: moment were gonna happen because he knew and trusted God. Why aren't we praying like that? Who is our God?
0: Are we is doubt? Do we believe that we have to do I gotta, I gotta do this, I gotta shave my head, Ezekiel shaved all the stuff off his face? What we believe all of this. But what if we could truly embrace? the prayer life that the apostles, that Jesus and his apostles demonstrated. What if? See, the question here that that religion will make is, well, it's worked for me. See, that's a religious mindset because religion won't even try something different because religion is determined that that is the only way that
1: works. What is being shared here with you today is, Try a different way. Exercise
0: a different fast. In your 30 day fast, let your 30 day fast be
1: let me pray differently. Because when we pray differently, this changes. Our mind
0: changes. We've got to pray in a way that changes our thinking. Look, I have this condition and I got that condition. I can't focus. No, you can't because you have declared and
1: decreed that you cannot and your words are powerful and your mind is twisted up because of you. You won't even take the chance to make the declarations every
0: day to repeat the guarantees every day. Well, I can't do all of them every day. Nobody asks you to. Take one and hold on to it for 30 days. But do something that changes the mind. If you're always in condemnation, figure out a way to speak life to yourself. It's not the work of your girl down the street. It's not the work of your husband to make you feel good. It's not the work of your pastor to pick you up in the spirit and give you an encouraging word every day. We have to do the part that is entitled to us because how we think affects how we pray. If you believe the devil is always after you, and that is
1: your declaration, How in the world can you walk in faith and trust God? Oh my goodness We are building we are building this is our last session on this. Oh ho, ho, ho. The ultimate intercessor is Jesus. Can I say that
0: again? He's the greatest intercessor. But one thing that I always failed to understand in the the church was, why did everybody want to posture themselves to be the greatest intercessor that ever walked the earth? I am the intercessor of this. I am the apostle of intercession. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, every single believer has
1: and should have a developed prayer life. Period. Either our authority in the spirit is real or it isn't. The Bible says
0: that the Ephesians 4.11 gifts are, are put in place to help all of us grow into the fullness. All of us grow into that complete place. That's everyone. That is everyone because it's a corporate gospel. Not an individualistic gospel.
1: It should be my pleasure to help you grow in prayer. Ah, you never saw the apostles compete over who was the best prayer. You'll never
0: see it in scripture. From Genesis, to revelation, it does not exist.
1: There were never titles associated with prayer. Never, ever. You won't find one. Oh
0: my goodness. But we learn from Hebrews 7 and Romans, Hebrews 7 and Romans 8 some, some interesting principles. For the sake of um, our space, I always ask you all to bring your Bibles. So I'm gonna go to Hebrews 7 and we're gonna look at um, verse 25. But we, we're gonna look at a couple of things before you get, get to that. Um, first we're not going to read all of hebrews seven because we've been over there so much in the conservatory oh my goodness but hebrews seven is about the um christ is about jesus and the order of Michael Zedek, Michael Zedek or however you want to pronounce that so we know that this is what is being taught We're we're learning about the new order we're learning that we have a new covenant a better covenant and i'm just going to read this one verse before we go down is um It is Hebrews 7, and I think the verse I'm going to read is 11, and it just said, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people who established that priesthood, why was there a need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. I have to tell people this all the time when I'm teaching about prayer and when I'm teaching about um, the arts, you know, we, we, we still acting out the Arianic priesthood. It's crazy. I want you to just think about that for a minute. People are still worshiping as Aaron worshiped. They are still looking for people to stand in the gap. I just, just bear with me for a minute. Bear with me, please. Don't go off in a tangent. Listen, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to, to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, the order of Aaron. Please think about that for a moment and share your reflections with me in the chat. This is the better way. I'm always telling you the better way. This is why I want you to go back and study because I say a lot of stuff. And sometimes people think that I am really speaking out of my head, that I... Literally, if you go back and look to my teachings and if you read your Bible, you'll hear things that I say that are straight scripture. I'm going to say this again. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One In the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron. Now listen to this. In the order of Aaron, they were still looking for intercessors. God himself said he searched high and low and could not find one. But this is the and part. This is the part we need to understand that I think we miss when we talk about prayer and intercession. I'm just staying in those realms right now. I'm getting the spiritual warfare, but we gonna stay right there for now. Now, I want you to see this. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. Oh my God. I'm not making this up. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. Look, y'all can lay on y'all face and scratch the ground and dig holes and put salt and water in it. Listen,
1: I'm from the priesthood of Christ and I will not serve at an altar. I hope you all are hearing me. They had to go to the altar for their intercession. They
0: had to make sacrifices, burn incense. They had to wear priestly garments. Only certain people could go through. The intercessor was this person, and the innocent, only the priest could stand in the gap.
1: We are still praying like that today, even though we have a better priesthood. God help us. Help us, Father. We're believing this
0: craziness people is publishing in their books and they are straight up confused
1: because they're still practicing Judaism.
0: Father, I just pray right now that those that may be walking in this way or have done this. There's no condemnation in Christ. Father, I thank you there is a better way. And wherever they are, Lord, every day, let them gain understanding so they can rise from what they have known into a new place in Jesus' name. No confusion in Jesus' name. God is not the author of confusion, study the word. Father, I just pray for a hunger and a thirst for conservators to study the word, not based on somebody's book. Oh, I'm gonna read this book and I'm gonna study out the
1: word in line with what they taught. No, no, not when it comes to prayer. We need a clean foundation. We will study Jesus so that we can begin to walk in the fullness of his mind on the inside of us.
0: I long for the mind of Christ. Let me be immersed in the mind of Christ. Let those with me, Father, long to be immersed
1: in the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. Oh, for when the priesthood is changed, the
0: law must change. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Zedek appears, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of rules and regulation and ancestry, but on the basis of power
1: of an indestructible life. And listen, that life is in Christ. Our
0: life is in an indestructible life. The lives of people in the old covenant was in a destructible life because they were dependent on other men. Now let's skip to verse 25, 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. <laughs> wow, death will prevent all of us from continuing in office in the earth realm. But Jesus lives forever. He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, Jesus is able to save completely
1: those who come through him, not through the courts of heaven, through him. Jesus alone. Is able to save. Because he lives. To intercede. For us. Oh my God.
0: Jesus is the life now. In Christ. Jesus is Christ. The Christ life. Lives to intercede for us. Oh God. I hope you
1: all are hearing me. Jesus lives always to intercede for us. They did not have that in the old covenant. Oh my God, it gets better. There's more. We hadn't even gotten to the good part yet.
0: Oh man, such a high priest truly meets our needs. Y'all need to circle that. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heaven, something no flesh can give you. Calling on your bestie, the intercessor, can't give you that because all of us have flaws. If this is true, and I know if any, anything that we touch and agree through in his name, I know that's true, but listen, It's only true if what we're agreeing with agrees with the greatest intercessor. Let me say that again. When it comes to the
1: kingdom, intercession begins with agreement with Jesus. Not your favorite author who tells you how to pray. Not all that hard work, sweat, you tired, you got to go to sleep for three days because you pray
0: so hard. Not that. We're not talking about that. That
1: doesn't exist in the Bible at all. That's people stuff. Oh my goodness. Don't be mad. I'm not saying you can't be exhausted
0: from from. From um, hitting some stuff in the spirit, uh, but in a right place. But God is not knocking every byfish, Rabbi Shine, and saying nothing with those words.
1: That's flesh. It's in the head. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Listen,
0: there is no more gap.
1: Who? <laughs> where are the birds? There is no more gap the gap has been filled people the gap has been filled either jesus is a liar or people are there is no more gap you can dwell in a gap if you want to but you Look, God is so humble. There is no more gap. Can you receive that? Jesus filled all things. If you don't believe that, then you don't believe Christ. This is in more than one place in scripture. Read your Bible, know your word. There is no more gap. But when
0: we do intercede, it's a different type of intercession in the new covenant. A different type is not the old covenant intercession. It's not Judaism being initiated. It's an agreement
1: of intercession. It's a covenant of intercession. we don't even have to read Romans 8. I'm not gonna do that. You read it. Intercession is standing in agreement with Christ. Intercession is our portion. Standing in agreement with
0: Christ is new covenant intercession.
1: We have a covenant of intercession today. But this is another question. But is spiritual warfare our portion
0: the way people teach it? Oh, my goodness. I don't even know if I should share this with you guys right now. But I believe if I don't get through it, we might not get another chance. I just want you to have clarity. Because a lot of this stuff that we do is spiritualistic,
1: but it's not scriptural. Let's go to Ephesians um, 6.
0: Again, I'm afraid to pull up the scriptures because of um, what I have endured these last few um, few weeks. Did I even pull up Ephesians 6? I'm gonna have to pull it up because I didn't on my screen. Hold on one second. I can't believe that. I'm all in that scripture. So here I am, Ephesians 6. We know the drill. Um, I just want to read from, okay, Paul is giving some instructions in Ephesians 11. It starts with him telling children to obey your parents and slaves, you know, obey your masters. And we're going down. Yeah, I think I've taught on that before and giving you all clear understanding of what slaves and masters meant and how different it is from our American understanding of that. But um, we get to verse 10. And it says this final, and people teach this all the time, but bear with me. Ephesians six, verse 10. This is Paul. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Put on the mind of God. Put on the mind of Christ. Think like they do. Think from our faith place. Speak from your guarantees. Live in your place of fullness. That's what the whole armor is it's the fullness of the mind of God within you, it's faith, it's trust, it's belief. This is important because these people were being murdered, killed, babies ripped out of their stomachs throat slashed, impaled by swords. They've already watched some folks die that were walking with them. Now, th- this, this is why we need to look at this. It's not enough sometimes to read these things. We need to know what's happening in the culture and the crisis they're in the midst of. This is the first time Jesus is being preached to the world it had never happened before jesus stepped foot on the earth and sent his apostles were were was crucified resurrected raised up paul and a whole bunch of other folks listen this is the this, this is pioneering at its best and none of us here in the united states are going through any of the stuff that they went through here but look they're going through all of this torment, torture to their physical body and their mind. And, and Paul is like, look, y'all need to just put on the mind of Christ. Remember what he told us. Live from the place of faith. Learn how he prayed. We got to pray like this. Oh my God, the fullness. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look up that word as it's used here. They're not talking about somebody with a pitchfork and horns. That's any adversarial situation that comes our way. Any trouble, anything that has resulted from the fall. Anything that that caused the earth to be split from its creator. Anything that caused us to be separated from the presence of God. That is what able to stand against the wiles of darkness, wickedness, evil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Somehow. Somebody turned all of this. Into demons and devils. In the enemy's camp. That, that's all they see. All they see is demons and devils. In the enemy's camp.
1: All the bad stuff. I've rarely heard this taught. From the mind of Christ. Does it
0: include all the darkness? Yes it does. Are devils and demons and all of that a part of it? Yes. If you believe in all of that, yes. If that is your focus, yes. Hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, yes. We know that the ruler of this world is the devil and all of the things set in place. We know that. So don't go away saying, I'm teaching there's no darkness and there's that's not what I'm teaching. I'm framing this in a way that you can see how Jesus taught Paul and those following him and Peter to fight.
1: I want you to look. Be able to
0: stand against. So I'm putting on armor for the primary reason to stand against. To stand in the mind of Christ, to believe what God has said, to strategically position myself, that is where I'm standing. Can you guys see that part? I need to know that. Okay? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. The whole complete armor of God, the fullness of God, the mind of God, which is the mind of Christ, every promise, every guarantee that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. In other words, in the time when you are facing your worst trial. Some of you have already been close to death. Some of you have been through the worst crisis of your life already. You've had to fight to come back from mental anguish. Listen, there's an evil day for all of us. There's corporate evil (laughs) days, And there are personal crises and things. But what we're being told to do is gird up so we can withstand it. Because we might find that we're alone in that battle that there's nobody to call on, no prayer warrior to pick us up. We might show up somewhere expecting people to pray and they don't, then what? You have to be girded up. And then he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand, stand, withstand, having done all, stand some more. I'm gonna believe you, God, whether, whether we die in the fiery furnace, the three friends, or whether whether Daniel dies in the lion's den, it, it doesn't matter because we're going to stand anyway. I'm going to do everything I can to live now. I'm not just going to stand and let the wind knock me down. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to do everything that I know, get all the paperwork in, the process is done. I'm going to get all the procedures taken care of. I may have to go in the doctor and have the surgery. I may have to have the process
1: taken care of, but I'm going to still be standing right there, taking advantage of everything that you have given me. Then he says, stand therefore, having
0: girded your waist with truth. Oh my God, there's that word of God. See, we know this stuff. I don't even really need to read it, but I want you to see that there are some things Jesus prayed that are reflected in this armor. When we go back to John 17, he says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. This is how we become one by believing Jesus and all of these areas that he says we are to stand in. Jesus didn't wrestle against flesh and blood. How do I know? Because when he was on his way to the cross, he never said a mumbling word to the people who were trying to kill them. When the apostles were crucified, they weren't cursing the devil and rebuking the wind.
1: I want you all to see this. They were standing on the word of truth spoken to them.
0: They realized that that God already knows my situation. I might need to praise him right now versus fighting the wind. I hope you all are following. I hope you're following. I'm not saying they're not opportunities for us to do certain things because we saw the apostles rebuke. We saw Christ rebuke. But if we see it in context with this, it makes sense. Yes, he did. He made an open shame of principalities and powers. That's an excellent way to say it. And take the helmet of salvation. Take your identity. Take your assuredness that you have a place, that there's been a house made for you. A place of habitation. Take the sword of the spirit. Oh my God, it's a double-edged sword. So make sure you're the other side of that sword, righteous. Take all of
1: that with you. Take the word. Oh my God. That sword. You need to live by the word in
0: order for the sword of the spirit to be effective for you. Praying always with supplication in the spirit. I pray, Lord, you know, pray. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Whatever your calling is, that you may open your mouth boldly, for which I am an ambassador in change, that in it, change, that in it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So he switched and began praying for himself. But we have to begin to see that these things is positioning. It's the positioning of the mind. I want you to see Ephesians 6, not as something physical you have to do. Pretend you're putting on your helmet. Pretend you're putting on the breast. You know how we do in prayer? We think that we're doing it by doing it in prayer. It's only demonstrative when your life is reflective of trying to live this way. Jesus said, glorify them just as you've glorified me. We must become the word also we must allow the word of god on the inside of us to make us because it's only in the making of the word in us that we can begin to apprehend and ascend to new levels in his mind mature reach fullness oh my god i see listen Some of you are going through crises right now and you already know that you've ascended because there was a time when you would have been crying and looking for any priest, pastor, prophet that would pray for you. But the Lord already, he said, listen, I'll just want, please be in agreement with me.
1: Be in agreement with me that all is well. Be in agreement with, if you just send your word, Jesus. I know it shall be done. If I just can
0: have faith the size of a mustard seed, we get new meaning when Jesus
1: said, Peter, I pray that your faith fails not. Oh my God, what
0: a simple prayer. In other words, Jesus was like, I just want you to believe. Peter, if you can just believe. <laughs> Peter's prayer life was one of nothing but faith. He got
1: out of that boat and he decided he was going to walk on water. But there he was. He saw the wind was blowing and he got afraid. If he had never
0: become afraid, he wouldn't have began to sink. But as he
1: sank, he cried out and he said, Lord, save me. That's all he prayed and the Lord rescued him out of that situation. Listen,
0: Paul and Silas were in the jail. They were, you know, people attacking them, all
1: kinds of ruckus going. You get to Acts 4 and the scripture says, "Now the Lord looked on their threats." Nope, that ain't the one. Acts 16, Acts 16. They said about midnight,
0: Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. They're in prison,
1: locked up, beat up, whatever is taking place. And as they sang,
0: miracles started happening. Signs took place, wonders. I'm challenging you to look at the prayer lives of the apostles is going to blow you away. None of them were
1: rebuking and beating the air. Not one, not one, not one time. Where do we get all of this stuff from? Where?
0: Romans 15, we who are strong, verse one, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Oh my God, the insults of those who insult me because of what I teach or because of what I preach, because of how um, the the, the ministry is
1: administered, that when when it's attacking Jesus, it's an insult to him. He's taken it already. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so
0: that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, oh, endurance? Through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement that they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance, the God who gives, God gives
1: us endurance. Endurance is a gift. But most of us treat it like a curse. And we pray
0: endurance. We pray concerning endurance, looking for escape. When the Lord is saying, learn how to praise
1: your way through it. Not beg your way through it. Not fight your way through it. Rest. Peace. The shalom of Christ. May the
0: God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind. Oh my God. Toward each other. That Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, there's that unity again. You may glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: We were given endurance. We're taught, but
0: endurance is a teaching moment. Whenever you're enduring something, know that you are being taught of the Lord. If your heart posture is right. I'm not talking about the situations we create now. Look, (laughs) people, listen. No, I'm not going to say that. I hear the Lord telling me not to say that. But I'll tell you, we make some decisions that are fully ours and we're literally walking out the consequences. It's not the devil. We need to be bold enough and say, Lord, I did this. I decided to do this. I thought I was
1: listening to you and obviously I wasn't, it's me. Then God can help. Let's keep going. I'm almost
0: done. We're at the end. Colossians 1, 9 through 11. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We could, this is Paul again. I'm just giving you some examples from his prayer life. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. I want you to see how they prayed. They were under some of the worst attacks of their lives. Things that we don't come anything close to bearing. And I'm only sharing that with you for a point of perspective. Not a point of comparison. But perspective. And I want you to ask yourself, why didn't they pray like me? And don't cop out and come to a place where we live in a different time. Um, You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Sorry, but there isn't. There is nothing new under the sun. Jesus experienced every hardship, heartache, and crisis
1: known to man. (laughs) Uh, We Either we believe that or we don't. (laughs) exactly it's just listen we continually
0: ask god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of god being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience
1: and long suffering with joy. That fruit is something else because
0: it's being cultivated through our prayer lives. Oh, oh my God. Christ's prayer life demonstrated warfare that looked like this. His betrayal, his journey, his Gethsemane experience, his crosswalk, how did he war? I'm just asking you, how did he war? And I want you to answer that. Are you bold enough to answer that? Are we still going to chase devils and try to scout out the enemy's camp? Are we still going to map and route devils? Or are we going to look at how Christ did this? Spiritual warfare should be redefined as standing against darkness in, Christ, in Christ's mind, outfitted with the tools outlined foundationally in Ephesians 6. Things that we can prove hand over foot in every situation of war that Christ in the 12 encountered. The way we define spiritual warfare today focuses on a preoccupation with the devil and darkness and human effort. I don't use the word warfare that much. I'm gonna retire that word eventually. Because with it comes a whole doctrine that is not even built into the new covenant. I'm sorry. I know this is overwhelming. I'm not sorry. I know this is overwhelming for some of you. I know some of you feel as if this
1: is not God. But I I say it's indisputable when you study it out. It's indisputable. As a man
0: thinketh, so is he. We conjure up a whole lot of stuff. We conjure up a lot of people's
1: prayer lives equal to witchcraft. They conjure up and seek out the demonic realm.
0: You will never find an apostle or prophet in the entire Bible called by God that
1: sought out the demonic realm, not one, not of God.
0: I challenge you, find out how many times the prophets of the old covenant talked about the devil. It'll shock you. When you find the answer to that, you won't find anything. (laughs) You won't. Go check. Read what they wrote in the sense of you having to do something. You won't find it. You won't. They will never tell you go and do something except stand and live in righteousness and live in hope. You won't see any extra stuff like we see today. You won't.
1: You can rebuke, disagree, you just won't find it. You won't. They may identify stuff. They will never tell you to go participate in it. Oh,
0: we need an impartation of the mind of Christ, the fullness. Impartation can be defined as the act of fully receiving a Holy Spirit-directed revelation of Christ into our soul and spirit to a point of spiritual clarity that is so strong that the core of who you are is transformed at the foundations because of the understanding you receive. Impartation can be defined as the act of fully receiving a Holy Spirit directed revelation of Christ into one's flesh, their inner being to a point of spiritual clarity that is so strong that the core of who you are is transformed at the foundations because of the understanding received. Excellent example is your salvation right now. That's an impartation that literally changed the trajectory of your entire life. What if you had never received Christ? Why is this important? Because if you can believe the guarantees, if you can believe the promises, if you can believe the truths concerning your identity,
1: if you can believe what Christ accomplished, you will transform you will transform the apostles were not simply taught to pray they received an impartation of prayer intercession and warfare divinely through Christ
0: they received an impartation and it changed the trajectory of their lives. They could have whined through everything and pissed a fit and caused all kind of chaos in the, in the spirit. They could have identified every witch and every warlock. They could have hunted
1: Jezebel down till she got bloody bare feet. They could have done all of that. But they chose a different path. They chose to believe Jesus. They chose to follow his example. They chose an impartation
0: of prayer that had them so focused on the prize that they had no time to look at anything else not in a religious way. Cause we know how some people be looking at Jesus and their whole life is falling apart because they're not doing the work. They're not, they're not cleaning up their lives. They're not paying their bills on time. They're not, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I had this experience years ago. I'm going to stop this before I share that with you though. Cause I don't want that on the recording. But I wanna thank you all for being a part of the teaching today. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you for what is taught here. We thank you, Father, that, that there will be no misunderstanding but that there will be growth. We thank you, Father, that there will be no war in the sense of, of people trying to change what they're doing in this moment. I thank you, Father, that those who are here will move in what they understand now. And Father, that we will begin to look at the prayer life of Jesus and look at the prayer life of the apostles, and we will do the work in uncovering how they prayed in their absolute worth moments, how were they praying in their moments of murder? How were they praying in their most horrific suffering? How were they praying in their times of joy? How are they re- approaching each other in prayer through gratefulness, through thanksgiving? how are they standing in agreement with christ in intercession thank you father we agree and father i thank you that we realize that there are no more people needed to stand in the gap in the way that it's been taught but we stand in the gap through agreement where two or more gathered i am
1: in the midst that's that's agreement That's covenant. And you said you're in the midst because we're agreeing with you. We are agreeing with you. And your son. We thank you in Jesus name. In Jesus name.